Hey guys, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name's Mac, and thanks for coming in for the newest episode. So uh, I put out last week's uh, first part of Jacob, the self-aware narcissist, the nameless narcissist on TikTok and on Instagram and stuff. Um, he's the nameless narcissist, and Jacob and I had a great conversation uh, for the first part of the story. And I want to put out the second part today. It was, um, you know, I wanted to chop it up a little bit um, because, you know, I just wanted to be able to absorb everything that was going on. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot more that we talk about in this second part. And one of the things is Jacob gets into, which I found really profound, Jacob gets into um, how to kind of starve a narcissist, and he gives you the reasons why. And I tell him in the green light. I I tell him in the episode. He gives me the green light to stop hating my narcissist, and it was such an epiphany for me. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this. Um, before we get into the episode, though, I want to let you guys know um, I'm posting on Instagram, and uh, my trial for my restraining order uh, at the time this comes out will be this coming. Thursday. So it's going to be only four days away at the time when this comes out. Um, I am heavily, heavily, heavily preparing my evidence. Um, you guys heard from a prior episode with my lawyer, Brittany Parisi from Parisi Law Firm in New Jersey, that we are we're ready to go, man. I mean, there's so much evidence. And uh, I did another long, long call with Brittany this week. And she also brought on her paralegal and her paralegal's jaw was just dropped. And she was awesome as well. So I'm super excited for um, the next couple of days. Uh, but, you know, um, you know, justifiably, I'm a bit nervous, obviously. Uh, this is huge. This is my trial. And I'm no celebrity and I'm not going to be televised or anything like that. But you best believe I will be doing a podcast about it because uh, I am super confident and um, I'm much more confident than I am worried. So I'm excited. Uh, my evidence is being put together. I have great outlines and recordings and videos and text messages and um, even, oh my God, I, I, if I could show you guys, I really wish I could, um, but it's it's pretty amazing. Um, and I've told you guys many, many times on this podcast, please, for the love of God, if you're going into court with a narcissist, document, document, document. Nothing, no communication with them unless it is documented. Please, I'm begging you. Um, so yeah, uh, expect an episode before next Sunday. You guys know how I put on my episodes on Sunday. I don't think I will wait. Maybe I'll have to edit it. I don't know. I don't know yet. Um, but it's coming. And this is almost a uh, big climax, I guess, to this podcast. I don't want to call it a climax because I want it to go on, but you know what I'm trying to say. This is a big moment in the podcast. My trial is coming up, and uh, I can't wait to win because I know I'm going to win. Um, so all that said, it's coming up. I'm excited for you guys to hear it, um, and I'm excited for you guys to hear this second part of my interview with a self-aware narcissist named Jacob, who goes by the nameless narcissist on social media. You guys can look it up. Uh, check out the second part of the episode. Um, all right, let's let's keep going. So uh, this was actually a former guest of mine, uh, episode, I want to say six, a long, long time ago. Her name is Katie Gillis, and she's a uh, LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker. So she's at Clara's underscore voice. So she is a clinical worker, and she says, the people I've treated with NPD frequently talk about the stigma out there against NPD. Ooh, Not I all people with, yeah. This, yeah, uh, with this diagnosis are purposely or maliciously harmful, for example. This might lead to a good, just, good discussion, just a thought. So- 
which saying is the people I've treated with NPD frequently talk about the stigma out there against NPD. I remember when I interviewed Tess, she she frequently used a word called ableists. I don't know yeah. if you subscribe. To I that. I hate that word, but okay. yeah, I I know what she's referring to. Um, so how do you like, feel about the stigma against NPD? Um, and I'd love to hear your uh, thoughts on this too. Um, I do personally. Uh, I do think the stigma, I do think there's stigma against NPD. I know some people will probably disagree with that. Uh, and I get it because you guys were hurt uh, by one of us, right? And mm-hmm. it's hard to think, oh, there's stigma. Like, it, it, when I say that, it feels like, oh, I'm minimizing the damage that we've done, right? A lot of and, people listening to this are going to think that. And so I don't see it, because uh, I, I mentioned this to you. My sister, she has ASPD and BPD. Okay. And she has denied both it. She's been diagnosed, but she denies, like, she does not ascribe to it. She hasn't tried to work on herself, et cetera, et cetera. She's hurt a lot of people in her life, including me. And I feel like the fact that for narcissists, it's like you tell somebody they're a narcissist and they deny it. Well, you got to think about that. You look on the internet, and all that it says is that these people are monsters. They're evil. They're, like, you know, they're beyond help. How is anybody going to think, oh, yeah, I'm a narcissist, when that's all the uh, information I've been. Um, because we don't go out of our way to hurt people. We don't uh, We don't want to hurt people. Like, like what would we gain about that, right? Um, we don't have any really inclination to want to affect people like that. But we do hurt people. And I, I recognize that fully with my experience with my sister. And I respect the feelings that most people are going to have about that. But we aren't monsters we're people who are broken and don't know what the fuck we're doing and we hurt people along the way and i feel like a big portion of being able to get more narcissists into therapy and more and in in essence help more people because there's less people getting hurt the narcissists themselves and uh most people don't know this but we have a very high suicide rate like around 20 percent and we and like helping us as well is to be able to be like, this isn't people being monsters. This is people with a mental illness who don't know what they're doing. And so I don't want it to sound like, and like, I don't think I've um, conveyed this, but I don't want it to sound like I'm saying, no, narcissists don't hurt people. Yeah, we fucking do. When we're not aware, yeah, we hurt people. Um, But we're not beyond help and we're not monsters. We're just fucking broken ass people. And I, I just view it as so damaging to view that view us as monsters when there is a way that we all can benefit from saying that we aren't basically. Okay. So I completely identify with what you're saying. And I think as I'm listening to you speak, the people that I am surrounded by, especially on this social media community who are um, identifying as being victims of narcissistic personality disorder I think we all kind of want people to do – we want our personal narcissist to do what you're doing, and yeah. we want them to be self-aware. And then we get so crushed by the fact that the person that A, we loved, and B, that we saw this future with is beyond help. And yeah. they're not necessarily beyond help, but they're, they're the reason that they're beyond help is that – they're not willing to accept the diagnosis. They're not, you know, they've they've taken so much of our, I don't know if you're familiar with the term reactive abuse. Actually, Tess yes. was actually surprised with that. But we, 
we've ex- we've given the reactive abuse to what they've done to us so then they can still they they still have their green light to say well they were the abused one you know what i mean yeah. so once they have that caveat then they almost can't be like well i didn't do anything wrong because you know you screamed and yelled at me and 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 you know <laughs> i'm the victim so it it gets to a point where as i said you know earlier in this podcast i think it's important for us not to see our personal narcissist in you. Um, it's so novel that you have, you know, you've used the word reflect and you've used the word self-improvement and, you know, you're trying to identify how you feel. What I see in you is what I wish my narc would do. Yes. And I, I feel that because I feel the same way about my sister. Like I like earnestly. Like I is this empathy? <laughs> because like, yeah. Um, uh yeah yeah because you're yes it is Jacob it is this is empathy because <laughs> is this empathy you don't even know yeah it is because yeah we're relating to each other on you know you you feel how I feel you feel about your sister the way I feel about my ex so yes you feel what I'm feeling right now makes it makes sense my sister is probably the only person in the world that like I have. Gen- like very intense genuine feelings for um and uh, like i and i do and it gets hard here doesn't it? it's because it's like there's a lot of narcissists who are seeking help like we have communities out there where we are and we feel despondent a lot of the times because it's like oh we see all narcissists are monsters they're all out to hurt people etc cetera, etc cetera. and most of us do acknowledge that there's some people who are a little more adamant about like oh no like like, like they go. They, like, this is a toxic aspect of the art communities that I don't like. Is that like basically they don't want to tie hurt to narcissism, which I'm like, like the hurt I get they cause or the hurt they have. Sorry, what's that? The hurt they caused or the hurt they have. They don't want to tie uh, narcissism. like that narcissists in general have caused because they're basically like, oh, not all narcissists are abusers, and which is true. Um, and stuff, and like, oh, not all narcissists hurt people, sure, but we are, we are, cluster bees in general, we have a tendency to be mean to people, and we can be very, uh, hurtful. Yeah. And I am completely, and like, when people try to deny that aspect of cluster B, I'm kind of like, listen, like, you got, when you guys were unaware, Maybe you guys didn't hurt people, but 90% of us have. And we need to be able to recognize that, like, we did that. Um, and so I, that, that's a huge issue I have with that. And, like, when you brought ableist earlier, like, that's yeah. uh, part of that right there. Yeah. Um, but, like, it, that's where it gets tricky. Is like, where do we draw that line between humanizing people like me and also acknowledging the hurt that we can cause? Well, because also you're you're humanizing yourself, but also you mentioned before you want to be loved. You want to yeah. be loved. So when you have to acknowledge that you hurt somebody, that might not come with forgiveness to you. Um, I would say. Oh, can you talk for a second? Because I just plugged in my headphones. Yeah, go ahead. To, yep. Okay, cool. Um, so like, because I see what you mean, and like for me. I don't really feel that need to be looked at as somebody who's admirable. Like, how do I put this? I don't feel a need to feel like, because like, I, I get how it comes off like this. 
I don't really feel a need for people to accept my narcissism to like me. Does that make sense? Because it's like, I know that I'm my own individual, aside from my narcissism. And I know that a lot of people like me, uh, regardless of that, who hate their narcissist, but like me. Yeah. And so I can see that being a motivating factor for a lot of narcissists. And like, hell, when somebody says all narcissists are demons or something like that, I do get personally offended. But that's not part of my motivation, honestly, is to be liked based off of destigmatizing narcissism because I don't really have such an identification with it that I feel that need. You know, d- does that make sense? Sort of. Sort of. Not entirely. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But um, I, I do think that's a... Um, to right. kind of wrap it up, I'm just kind of like, I feel like there is an... In- you know, avoid black and white thinking, right? Um, yes, there is yes, an in-between, yes. right? right? Of like acknowledging the hurt that we have put people through and also being like, these are mentally ill people who need help. Yeah. All right. Fair. Um, all right. So here's another question. It's from hitting my stride. Three, nine, six. It says I've gone no contact and discarded my ex or my narc. Okay. Um, that's kind of odd that they use the word discarded, but can you, I guess, you know, they broke up. Can you explain why when there are others to feed off of, he still won't stop harassing me? Um, he's my coworker. He continuously tries to make sure I know he won't leave me alone. Um, all right. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, so the, so, well, first of all, I do want to address like feed off of, uh, I, I don't agree with that ter- terminology, but not worth getting into too much. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, like for me though, if I was in that position for, for me to be discarded in quotes, I, uh, that, t- that to me, you just told me that I'm worthless. Yeah. You told me that you're better than me. And therefore, I'm not be worth being in a relationship with. Right. I would never stalk somebody and harass them like that. That looks pathetic. But you <laughs> want to be the prize, right? Exactly. Like people have uh, like broken up with me before, and my thought wasn't, "Oh, I need to chase after them." It's they need to come back to me. I need to prove to myself that I'm good enough by me. Maybe me subtly be uh, implying like. Like, or like reaching out to them and being like, oh, how are you doing? Stuff like that. Um, because I need them to come back to me. But I would never harass somebody like that. But if I were to, it's probably because you told me that I was worthless. Yeah. You told me that I, that uh, you were better than me. Because in my mind, nobody breaks up with anybody for like, how do I put it? Nobody breaks up with anybody because of compatibility issues. You break up with me because I was not up to par right like you breaking out with me says i'm better than you well seeing so speaking to my own personal experience my narc knows i hate her fucking guts and the fact that i hate her um i'm wondering as you're talking like how is that a affecting her because there's no mending that bridge you know you kidnapped my kids from me i was homeless i was bankrupt and there's no mending that bridge. So I'm wondering in her world if like the inflicting suffering on me is only going to continue because I don't see her with the rose colored glasses on. She she prefers your hate to indifference. I'll say that. Um, yeah, so she, I got to get to a point of indifference is what you're telling me. Uh, honestly, because if if you're indifferent, 
then if she keeps engaging, then she's going to look pathetic. Can I tell you a funny story? So, sure. um, my, my ex, I've told this many, many times on the podcast about my ex's new boyfriend. Uh, my, my listeners have come to know him as fireman John. Okay. So fireman John is my, my next is engaged, dude. My next is already engaged. Jesus. And, um, so I took my kids, I live right next to New York city. So I always take my kids to New York city and we went to the Christmas tree and stuff like that. Well, there's a fireman store on 48th street between fifth and sixth. So I'm doing a video call with my kids. And they go, daddy, 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 mommy's taking us with fireman John to New York City. And I said, dude, you guys are pros by this now. I go, you know what you guys got to do? You got to take fireman John to the fireman store. And my ex is like, she stayed very silent. And then under her breath, she goes, where is it? <laughs> and I'm like, 40, oh, guys, you, and I can't talk to her because I have a restraining order on me. I'm like, guys, you remember that. It's on 48th Street between 5th and 6th. Make sure you take fireman John to the fireman store. And she, it was weird. She didn't know how to handle that. And that's the difference. Either. And that's the like, difference. Well, yeah, like, because none of the attention was on her. She, like, I, like. I'm He's encouraging the kids to take him with my new fiance yeah, to the like, fireman store? I, yeah, like, I would be, I would probably view that as, like, because it would take, it, like, in the moment, it would take me so off guard that I would think, like, what the fuck is this guy like? I was, I, I would probably just be like dumbfounded. What, what in that? And then afterwards, I'd probably be like, "Oh, that was a power play. He's trying to." Fuck yeah, I know. Oh, totally, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Obvious. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, at, at first, I'd be like, "Wait, like, does he su does he support like a relationship with my kids to this guy that's insane? What? What? Look what I just did to you? You're trying to understand what I just fucking did to the narcissist's head. Is I encouraged her. <laughs> to take her ex to the fireman who fireman store who is a fireman just to show i don't give a fuck you're not my problem anymore yeah. that's the well, message i'm that's the yeah. message i'm sending good you're somebody else's problem go be somebody else's problem because here being outside of it i'm like i'm like oh yeah manipulation whatever um and then like i'm but like in the but if i was there is like what makes me like it's so weird i can put myself i can be outside of it and be like Oh yeah, I would see that as manipulation. But then once I view myself in it, I'm like, uh, I like freeze. I freeze up literally right now. I did that I'm to like, her. I did that to her. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> it was a good move. It was a good move. Um, I, I am curious what. Oh, we can talk about this later. But God, I am curious she, what you. What do you think about uh, her boyfriend? Um. So I. I mentioned, there's a great story. I'll, I'll kind of give you the cliff notes of it. But when we were dating unbeknownst to me i helped her move out of her boyfriend's house when we were oh, dating yeah okay? okay so fast forward i left my house after 10 years and i see a man leaving my home oh one thing is when she was dating that guy and i helped her move out the guy just kept taking tvs and furniture and bringing out to the curb leaving there and the guy said nothing to me not a single word and you thought he would be like what are you the new guy or something like yeah. that like fuck you or something. said nothing to me okay Fast forward to 10 years later, I see Fireman John leaving my house, and all I said is, I go, hey, what's your name? He goes, John. I go, all right, have a nice night, and I let the guy fucking leave. I said nothing to him the way the last guy said nothing to me because all of us just want her to be someone else's problem. So do you think do you think Fireman John, do you think that he's a victim of her, or do you think he's an enabler? 
I think he doesn't know yet. I think mm. he doesn't know that he is caught in a spider web with a hungry spider. He doesn't know yet. And there's gotta gotcha. be, there's yeah. gotta be red flags. There's got, you know, I've seen a lot of things on Instagram. It's like, how do you lay up in bed with a person, a woman who is, uh, cognizantly removing a father, a loving father from his kid's life? How do you lay with a woman like that? But I feel he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Those glasses. Like you're willing to ignore like all those bad sh- all that bad shit that's going on until it's too late, more or less. Let's call a spade a spade. Sex is blinding. And that's what <laughs> yeah. she uses sex. Yeah. She uses sex to her advantage and sex is blinding. And he's he I'm sure. And because I went through this, too. It's like I see what's going on, but the sex will allow me to just go, you know, the listener can't hear me right now. But I just go, I'm having sex. And I put my hands over my eyes and I go, I'll deal with it. You know, there's got to be red flags. There's got to be. Can I, can I, ah, God, this is going to be, this might be a little bit much, but can I like point something out that I kind of suspect about your situation? Please. Um, Well, because like you say it's the sex, right? Uh, That feels like it's kind of a dismissal of the emotional relationship that you had with her. What emotional relationship I had with her. <laughs> I love that. I, that was hilarious. Well, you felt, you felt that you, you told me though, you said uh, you loved every hair on her head, right? I did. Right. Well, that's, so that's what mm-hmm. baited me into it. But, um, I love this Jacob, by the way, I rarely get questions on this podcast. So I like that you're asking okay. me questions. I, uh, yeah, I loved every hair on her head, but it was not a bilateral relationship. It was yes. a one way street where I loved her and she couldn't accept my love yes yes and i i recognize that i'm aware of that and i feel because i feel like um because like and this like i like when i say these things please don't take it as me coming at you or anything but it does feel like to me is that like but just completely putting it on sex is you trying to is almost a coping mechanism to say like oh well like you know that's why i stayed in this relationship i didn't like i didn't care about her stuff like that but that might be me projecting no 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 i did care about her the the sex is what made me stay and uh Mm. once i had the kids because like you i was desperate to have kids and i i thought my window was closing and i you know i had met her but i had met her but i didn't want to like give up and i knew there was red flags but i didn't want to give up and start over with somebody new because what if I never had that family? What mm. if I never had the white picket fence idea and I had it and it wasn't worth the abuse yeah. that I took. So it was almost a, almost a desperation just to get that happy ending that you wanted. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, right, sorry that I like, sorry I was like doing my like, Oh, let's get into this guy's head. Like I didn't mean to be in. No, uh, I love it, man. Like I said, I'd never get questions on this podcast. That's great. Um, I love this question. So the exchange INT says, what stops narcs? Anything happen where the narc chooses to move on? Um, ignore us for long enough. <laughs> Cause like, for me, it's like you, you ignore me. I don't want to look pathetic. If I'm chasing after you constantly and you're not engaging with me, then I am like, like it would, I would find it like humiliating that I keep chasing after you. So I'm going to basically lose interest. I'm going to be well, maybe, well, actually, I probably won't lose interest. I'll probably be more fixated on you than ever before. But I'll stop engaging because I'm not going to. I don't want you to think that I crave you. I want you to think that you don't matter. 
And so if we're not like fighting or if we're not um, having a dialogue and stuff like that, then it's like, well, then, then like, I can't be the one that's chasing. You just gave me the green light to stop hating my narcissist. You just did. You just gave me the green light to stop hating my narcissist because the more I hate her, the more I engage in, Mm -hmm. I got to stop hating her. You just, you just made me realize that I have to stop hating her. And, and hell, even if you, even if like she doesn't, even if like that may, because what, what will probably happen is she'll probably escalate it for a little bit, mm-hmm. trying to get a reaction out of you because, you know, like that's just how we are. And then, and then after that, um, but after that, I feel if she'll tone it down, hands down. But if she doesn't, like, even if she, even if she's some fucking breed of narcissist that is so unaware that she cannot see how her actions are affecting the opinions of people around her. That's still gonna make you look better. Maybe that's a narcissist's opinion right there, but I'm uh, just saying. I don't know because uh, you know she's um, popular in the town and she's mm. uh, she grew uh, up there not- and she's kind of like this social media do-gooder type thing. You know what I mean? Like she's yeah. got the image down. She's got the the image down. Ooh, that makes it complicated. Oh, so she thought so she's getting her self-esteem juice from other sort like. Not just not just like the approval of the immediate people around her. She's getting it from like the internet and shit like that too. <sighs> that made things more complicated. I still think <laughs> that it's good advice to like stop engaging like that. Um, yeah. Because I think that that would be. I do think it would have the effect that I said. Does make that a little bit more complicated though. Shit, because she's not going to be <laughs> as concerned because she can paint that to her viewers any way she wants. Right. Totally. Um. This is a weird question. And then this person DM'd me about this. Um, So there are, in my opinion, I experienced physical side effects to um, narcissistic abuse. And this woman, her her, um, handle on Instagram is H underscore 405 H underscore 405 underscore. It says, do you have any type of reoccurring skin issues eczema or stress rash and the reason i'm asking this question i know it's really weird but it's a a thing she and i were talking about this and i said i because of my stress i experienced tmj like lockjaw yeah um and eczema from high levels of stress and i've heard from other people um women i've heard hair their hair falls out do you have any experience with physical effects of stress because of being a narcissist or have you witnessed victims of narcissistic abuse with like physical symptoms so question uh so uh there's a couple things i want to touch on there one uh if you haven't read have you read uh the body keeps the score no but she brought that up (laughs) did did she yeah okay i was about to say like it's a uh because it's about ptsd it's about uh trauma stuff like that I think that's a great book to read in regards to um, not only the mental symptoms, but also physical symptoms. Um, But (laughs) I see it's interesting because narcissists uh, actually, according to us, I can link this study if you want, uh, have a higher level of latent, um, latent, uh, what's it called? Uh, It's not stress hormone. It might be stress hormones. Cortisone? Cortisone? Yes, cortisone, than, uh, like, people with generalized anxiety disorder do. Okay. Um, and it's like, yeah, we're fucking, like, we're just, like, fucking in, we're, we're in that all the time. 
Yeah. But at the same time, I, but like to actually address the question directly, I don't think so, but also keep in mind that I am like 23. Okay. So it's like, will I experience that? Like I fucking, I'm constantly paranoid about my hair falling out. Like, <laughs> no, bro, you got, the John, you got the Don Draper thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun. No, like literally he, his Wikipedia article is up on my computer right now because I want to remember <laughs> to uh, look him up. And I'm like, nah, like this guy is not fucking getting out of my line of sight. Um, <laughs> But I, I have not suffered physical symptoms to my knowledge. Like, there could be things with me that happen that are because of it. Um, I have not been able to connect. Like, uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm not able to connect my emotions to my to the circumstances. Yeah. But I'm also, I wouldn't, so I also wouldn't be able to connect my physical symptoms from the, uh, to the, like, circumstances either. Um, I mean, hell, like, people would say, like, oh, I'm breaking out because of stress. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know that? Like, <laughs> I do. I get pimples and stuff, but uh, it was a weird question. I just wanted to touch on it. Um, all right, I got two more questions from you. Uh, all right, so pure Zaka Macho. Uh, my narc says he can be a better person by himself without help. True or false? See, that's a lot. That's we don't want to be dependent. We don't want to show anybody that we that we need them. Um, even nowadays, I struggle with like therapist. a therapist. Yeah, because, like, with my therapist, I'm all, she's like, oh, our relationship. And I'm like, there's no relationship here. You're helping me. Like, fucking, I'm paying you to help me. And I don't, and, like, I know that's, I know that's not how her therapeutic uh, alliance is supposed to go, but that's just how it feels like. But that's real, man, because I, I'll tell you, and I, I touched on it with Tess, too, is, like, my, unfortunately, and I hate saying this on the air, but my faith in the mental health industry is oh, low. Yeah. Because the only reason is because, like, a lot of times when I've gone to therapy, and I'm, I'm so grateful now, and I know actually my therapist listens to this podcast, and she actually gives it some of her patients, this podcast, but my, awesome. I, found, I found a great therapist now, but um, my faith in the mental health industry is low because I've always had that underlying thought that, like, I'm paying you to help me. It's not mm -hmm. like you sought me out to fucking help me. It's not like you're, like, yeah, right. genuinely interested How in me. How do you actually care about me? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, you care about me paying you, and I'm on the clock, and that's why they would say, oh, our time is up, because you don't really fucking care about me, you know? Well, that's the thing, too, is that, like, I think we – well, because we have to also recognize that, like, there are therapists who are there doing it for, like, you know, genuine reasons. Uh, I don't know how many – I. Like, I could not put a percentage on how many are doing it for genuine reasons. But, like, my therapist, for example, she'll, like, like fucking my therapy sessions go over time, like, consistently, which right I... now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. And, like, but she puts up with that. Um, and so I realize that she's a good person and trying her best and stuff like that. But it's also like, ah, but you don't, you know, you don't care. I don't care. Uh, but, like, anyways, but, like, to admit that that therapist is helping me. That's almost intolerable. Like the, the idea that I'm dependent on this person to help me is, uh, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't even articulate how intolerable it would be to admit that. Um, and so somebody say, uh, what I hear when a narcissist says that is that no, he would be better with a therapist, but he's not to the point that he is willing to admit I need help. Right. That's um, and like, like, and honestly, if I was in a situation like that, where he realized he had a problem, but he was saying that to himself, 
if I had to deal with this guy, and I don't know what else is going on in that relationship, so I'm not going to say, stay with that guy because he might get help. I would, but if I had to, based off the information I have, I would think, well, he knows he has a problem. So maybe when he works on himself more, maybe he'll get into therapy, which will help him even more. Um, so it, it, it's not going to help him more, but there is way more hope for him than there is for 90% of people with personality disorders. Right. Would you say the hope for recovery is low if you're not willing to seek help? Yeah, I, I don't think, like, I don't think anybody can go in remission completely if they're not in therapy. All right, well, so this is the last question I have for you, and I think this is a good one, and this is a good one to leave off on, right? So Faith Hope Joy Love 21 asks what if my friend is in denial about being a narcissist but i'm gonna i'm going to make my own inference about this and i kind of want to like change that question to so she says what if my friend is in denial about being a narcissist to kind of like change that question a little bit what does it take for someone to get help and admit they're a narcissist so i'm going to come at this from two angles uh i'll also address how they phrased it because i think it's interesting um, to me, like, uh, so I always knew something was off, right? So it was easier for me to accept the fact that, like, there was something mentally wrong. Honestly, it was a relief to know that there wasn't something wrong with me. It was a disorder affecting me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it, if they know that, like, there's something, like, wrong, so to speak, like, honestly, like, I have a list of diagnostic criteria made by people with MPD that they can actually relate to. Mm-hmm. that you show that to, like don't show them what the disorder is but then you show them the criteria and then the, this is the only, this is the way that i actually got the one person in my life who i knew was a narcissist uh to admit it is that i showed that criteria and then they were like oh my god i relate to this so much like what is this and i was like oh well here's the thing bro um <laughs> <laughs> but um but you're but like what does it take for somebody to know they're a narcissist for me it was just that I root, I fucked my life up so much that I had to admit something was wrong. Like I couldn't, I couldn't be in denial about it anymore because everyone left me. I came back because I went, uh, I was in the army, um, and I came back from basic training, and all my friends left me. Like not every single one, but black and white thing, I guess. Um, but like, like my, like most of them did, and my best friend even, like they all cut me out. And I, and I had to sit there with my, I had to sit there with myself and face the fact that like, I was like, oh my God, I hate myself. This is what I've been running from this entire time. And that's when I was able to accept. I was like, there's something wrong with me. I can't keep hiding from it anymore because everybody in my life hates me now. And they, okay. In fairness, they probably don't. I just had a conversation about this with one of my good friends. They probably don't, they don't hate me. It was healthy for them to get away from me. Yeah. And which, fair enough. (laughs) Right. Um, And, but that is what forced me to actually look at myself. It's crazy. It's crazy because like, I'm thinking like, you know, you said almost like a checklist. You put a checklist in front of the person that you think you're a narcissist and like, don't tell them this is a checklist for narcissism, but present them with this checklist and then they relate to it. Right. And then you go, well, here's the thing, buddy. You might be a narcissist. They go, no, I changed my mind. I don't relate to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it, that, he relate he uh, he accepted it well, but like I can definitely see somebody doing something like that. It's like, oh, never mind. I don't relate to this. What are you talking about? Because like, because again, as I was saying though, like, who want people? If, anybody who knows what a narcissist is based off their information off the internet, who's going to be like, oh yeah, that's me? Like nobody's fucking going to admit that. Right. 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 Yeah. But it's funny. It was it wasn't until, uh, you know, I discovered narcissism and like I, I've said many times, it feels like the walls are closing in on me. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, because yeah. I always knew there was something wrong, but I didn't like I don't know why I didn't think like there was a word for everything. You know what I mean? But like, fuck, there's a word for and like whole. And then once I knew. Once I mm-hmm. knew, and I actually like tested that, and I started recording, and then I would record her, and then I would rec- like listen to what she said the next day, and it'd be like totally different story. I'm like, holy shit! See, and, and that's the thing. But like, I <laughs> I was actually thinking about this today. Is that like it, maybe this is empathy too? Is that like I do relate to that because it's like one when I was diagnosed, I was like, oh. That's why my life sucks. It <laughs> <laughs> makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, and hell, I, I even bring this up sometimes, is that, like, I'm sure when you met other people who went through some of the things that you did, that, that was so refreshing. Right? Is yeah. that, like, it, like finally. I thought like, I was the only one in the it. world, man. I thought I was right? the only one in the world. Three o'clock in the morning, staring at my ceiling while she's sound asleep, completely unfazed, going... Mm-hmm. What the fuck is... How are you sleeping? The fuck is wrong with you? Emotional permanence. It's, it's over. Dude, it's over. Like, why, wow. why, why are you so upset? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Christ, man. And, and, that, and that's, that's a big thing with uh, us, too, is that, like, dude, like, you have no... When I met Tess, fuck. Like, it was insane meeting somebody who, like, understood what, like, I was experiencing at the time. Yeah. Um, Before you came on this, you said you guys are are very similar, and I see the similarities. Yeah, I see no. the similarities. I think I think the difference between um, maybe her and you is you kind of like, and it's not a bad thing, but you kind of like ping pong between what you want and how you feel a little bit. I think Tess was more like she couldn't necessarily identify a lot of what she was feeling, and I think you identify it. But I don't think necessarily you want to internalize it. Is that right? It's not that I don't want to. It's that I can't. Okay. Um, well, not that I, I can't, that. but I haven't got to the point that I'm able to yet. Um, and, and I think, and I agree, like, with, well, and you have to keep in mind, I've been in therapy for four years. Tess yeah. has been in and out of therapy because yeah, she yeah. has, she she's had terrible issues with therapists. They, like, the therapists have dropped her. And I'm like, damn. Yeah, yeah, she told me. Yeah, like, fuck. Fuck, like, I know. <laughs> And, that, and that's an issue, too, is that, like, what I'm trying to do also is that, like, deal with the fact that, like, hey, like, clinicians, too, they also, like, you have no idea how many clinicians will not just not treat narcissists because they don't want to deal with it, yeah. which I get it. But at the same time, it's like you are you are the kind of people who should be helping us. Totally. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and, like, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of that are open about helping, uh, but... It's like, how can anybody heal? How can, like, how can we stop hurting people? How can we stop hurting ourselves? Right. If you guys aren't willing to do it even. Yeah. Wow. Well, listen, Jacob, I mean, we're coming to the end of the episode. I'm probably going to make two parts out of this. <laughs> like, this was, in my opinion, pretty, like, um, 
like exhaustive, like not exhaustive in a bad way, but like all encompassing is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't mean like I'm exhausted. I mean, like, I feel like we, like, I don't really feel like we left anything out, you know? Like, I feel like we really covered everything. What would be, um, <laughs> what would be your final thought? What do you want people to know about narcissistic personality disorder, a person who has narcissistic personality disorder, a per, uh, you know, people who are trying to escape an abusive relationship, What's some of your advice for that kind of thing? Honestly, and uh, some people may disagree with how, how I phrase this, but to me, um, you have to look at it from the person themselves first. Right? You have to look at them and you have to be like, this is my partner. This is They do these things. And then you have to assess for yourself, is this things that I'm willing to put up Is this things I want to put up with? Yeah. And is this things I'm willing to try to work on? Am I willing to put effort into this relationship? I, whatever you decide, fucking perfectly fine. Like, do you do you, right? Um, maybe I'll disagree with it. Maybe you'll disagree with it. Um, but eventually, but you have to look at it not through the lens of pathology, but through the lens of who your partner is. And then once that once that's over, and you're out of that relationship, or maybe you stay in it, right? Going into the pathology to understand what you went through is completely fair and I think a very healing thing for people to do. But you have to address it person by person before you get into that situation because there's not going to be much of a benefit from just, oh, I'm with a narcissist, therefore I have to leave them. What does that really leave you with? There's not really a, there's no real growth that goes in there other than an excuse to get out, which if you not, if you need that excuse, dad, fair enough. But Address it from the person first, not through the pathology. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I also think um, gauge how much opportunity there is for growth and change. Yes. If, if, if there's no chance of reconciliation, yeah. if there's no if, – if you're just chasing the quote-unquote love bombing phase, yeah. um, you know, get out. And, like, don't – and don't listen to me and think – Oh, there's possibility to change, even though he's like beating me or something like that. Right? Yeah. Like, because right. don't get take it, wrong, it on a like, subjective basis. Yes. Because yeah, totally. go wrong. We can change. There's plenty of narcissists out there who will never see what they're doing wrong. Right. And exactly. what? Like fucking. That is what it is. All bets off. Yeah. And, and that fucking that sucks. It's just that again, it's the individual. If they yeah. show no willingness to change. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, I agree. Um, well, Jacob, uh, plug some of your stuff for us. Where can people find you? Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Tell us all about this stuff. Uh, honestly, just Google me. I'm the nameless narcissist. I do. I try to do daily videos on YouTube. Um, TikTok, I'm a little bit more lazy on just because I hate TikTok so fucking much. <laughs> um, I'm also I always admire Instagram. the people yeah. who aren't doing like the pounding fist, like bum, 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 bum. You're not pointing at shit. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like like, it's, like okay like i could literally it, it's so funny because literally i'll be like i'll start saying something that's about uh like oh here's my socials and i will i if i'm not paying attention i'll literally go on my intro on my youtube videos i'll be like the name was narcissist here once again a simple man diagnosed with mpd giving the facts about narcissistic personality disorder and the <laughs> and the stuff that goes on in my head if you like this video please like comment and subscribe but keep in mind 
I am not a clinician. I can only speak to my own experiences and the research that I read. Anyways, that's yeah. literally, literally, that was all automatic. <laughs> like, well, you've said it so many times, but yeah, that's how I, you know, I, I actually, I knew of you before Tess, and then she oh, really? dropped your name on the thing. She's like, oh, I'm friends with him. I'm like, oh, well, I got to get in touch with this guy. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, you guys can Google him. He's the nameless narcissist. Great content. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's the kind of thing where. He's not necessarily coming at it from like a give me your supply or your self-esteem yeah. juice, but like you get this genuine feeling like he is in recovery for his own issues and he's just kind of sort of doing what I'm doing is walking you through it, giving you his experiences, and hopefully you could benefit from it. So I, I really so. appreciate it, dude. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, until next time, everybody.